monthly jobs report came out today for the last month, obviously. Is that, is that how that works? The, the monthly yeah, you know, that's why you listen in because you learn key facts like the monthly jobs report covers the previous month's economic data. Oh, I didn't. You don't get that anywhere else. You don't get that anywhere else. <laughs> Welcome to America in Focus. I'm Cole McNeely, General Manager of America's Talking Network. America in Focus is a production of America's Talking Network. You can listen to America in Focus and all of our podcasts at americastalking.com. That's americastalking.com. Now here's your host, Dan McCaleb. Thank you, Cole, and welcome to American Focus, the podcast where we talk about the news from our nation's capital and the issues from there that matter to you. I'm Dan McCaleb, executive editor of the Center Square Newswire Service. American Focus is brought to you by America's Talking Network, a new podcast hub where you can find news, civil conversations, and all of the Center Square's great podcasts. Go to americas.talking.com to check out all of our available podcasts. Once again, that's americastalking.com. Joining me today is Casey Harper, Washington, D.C. Bureau Chief for the Center Square. Casey, I've been on vacation this week celebrating my wife's 50th birthday. I didn't miss any news, did I? <laughs> yeah, nothing uh, Nothing happened at all, um, although I am glad to hear that you got uh, such a younger woman. That's great. Okay. Congratulations. Uh, um, yeah, just a few news items this week, though. Of course, uh, I joke, President Biden did give his State of the Union address uh, this week. Lots to unpack from that uh, speech. But before we get into that, uh, new job numbers released today. Casey, we're recording this on Friday morning, March 4th. Tell us, what uh, what's the latest in the new jobs data? Sure. So the you know monthly jobs report came out today for the, uh, you know, for the last month, obviously, and it showed big gains. Is that, um, is that how that works? The, the monthly yeah, you know, report? so it's one and this is why you listen in to uh, our podcast, Dan, because you learn key facts like the monthly jobs report covers the previous month's economic data. Oh, I didn't. You don't get that anywhere else. You don't get that anywhere else. Um, so we actually, in February, added 678,000 jobs, uh, The un- and the unemployment rate was at 3.8%. Um, that's these figures are from the department, uh, the Labor Department's Bureau of Labor Statistics. So, you know, the estimates were about 440,000 new jobs and a 3.9% uh, unemployment rate. So, you know, uh, I'm no math major, but that's about 200, almost 250,000 250, more jobs than were expected, which which is uh, obviously good, but it's even better than, you know, previous months have been kind of the opposite trend, which is we have this expectation and some months Biden or the Biden's economy, as some are referring to it, have come in at half those numbers. Uh, if you look at, you know, so the, you know, the jobs reports last year in particular, we're just consistently coming in underperforming. And so that's been a big thorn in the Biden administration side, but it looks like we have a good report uh, this month. You can't go too much off of one report um, because it could change. It can, you know, there can be fluctuations, but this is definitely a sign the economy is trending in the right direction. And, you know, heading into these November elections, this is the issue. Uh, you know, Democrats, you, pretty much any Democrat you talk to expects Republicans to really trounce um, Democrats in November, big part of that is because of the economy. And there's other issues, and we can talk about this later, but rising inflation, um, job, job market problems. Uh, Republicans are generally trusted more in the economy. Polling has shown that for years. And so when the economy is doing poorly, uh, voters tend to turn to Republicans. Right. Well, so the jobs numbers are good. Um, 
for for February, but as you said, you can't uh, uh, you can't rely on one monthly jobs report to to uh, signal you know what's ahead for the economy. Let's but let's keep our fingers crossed that things go well there. I know that now that I mentioned both my wife and I in our fifties were paying particularly closer attention to the stock market and our four hundred one ks and whatnot. Stock market not so well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's been I, the fluctuations in the stock market in the last couple of years have been pretty wild. Um, I can't imagine having, you know, being near retirement at after watching what happened in 2020. It would be um, nerve wracking, I'm sure it was for a lot of our listeners. It does seem like I mean, compared to the, the pit of the pandemic, um, we're doing a lot better. But there is a lot of um, unpredictability. There's not just like the steady, confident growth. You never know with the new variants when uh, a new lockdown could come or, you know, I mean, if they announced a new variant of COVID today, I mean, what's going to happen to your stock? You know, what's going to happen to your um, your holdings? Your portfolio is going to tank. Probably there might be another round of shutdowns, which would just be devastating. Although I think there's a lot less political will for shutdowns because people didn't like them the first time and they didn't feel like they really worked. And a lot of the data shows that they didn't really make uh, a difference. And so I'm not sure that we would have such uh, widespread shutdowns again, but any news of a new variant is going to really hurt the economy. It's going to hurt the stock market and that could happen any day. And so I think it will happen. I think there will be another variant. And the question is just how severe will it be and how do we respond? You know, I think Americans are done with um, shutdowns. We're not going to talk a lot about uh, uh, COVID today, but um, my wife and I traveled to Las Vegas um, this week and it was almost like, uh, you know, obviously in, in airplanes, you still have to wear uh, in airports, you still have to wear masks, but you know, pretty much my entire visit uh, out West, it was almost as if the pandemic didn't exist. Very few masks, um, no whatsoever mm-hmm. discussion uh, about it. So I, I Let's hope that's behind us, but let's move on to um, uh, uh, Biden's uh, State of the Union address. Um, first, you watched it. Um, what, what you, overall, until we, uh, before we get into specific um, topics of conversation, um, it was his first State of the Union, the president's first State of the Union. Overall impressions? Uh, sure. You know, it was an important one. His first is, of course, important, but given the uh, fighting in Ukraine and made it even more important, the struggles of the economy uh, heightened the importance and then an election year. So there's a lot of riding on this speech uh, as well as, you know, Biden's struggling approval numbers, which we'll talk about in a few moments, I think. But, you know, coming into that speech, he had a lot of expectations. A lot of his own party was looking to him to try to rebound some of the losses that they'd taken um, politically, you know, in the polls. And so I think, uh, my just overall top line takeaway is, you know, it was okay. It wasn't a flop. There wasn't any big mistakes or terror. You know, he didn't really have a ton of missed opportunities, but I don't think that he really rose to the, uh, the moment either to the degree that he could have, uh, you know, I, I was watching a different, I like to watch different, uh, cable channels responses to the state of the union. Cause that'll tell you a lot, depending on how they lean. Um, and, both MSNBC and Fox News were really tough on the speech. And, you know, the more liberal liberal anchors on MSNBC felt like he didn't seize the moment on Ukraine well enough. And I, and I, I do understand some of that uh, criticism. They want they wanted him to and a lot of people wanted him to paint this picture of almost re 
casting the the Cold War the way that um, Ronald Reagan did so successfully. This big epic fight between good versus evil that the United States had a moment in history to rise to to stop the spread of this of evil and all of America should unite in this like glorious moment of American exceptionalism to stop the communists, basically. And he didn't really do that. Um, there was definitely some talk about Ukraine, about the struggles of Ukraine, um, but it didn't it didn't feel inspirational. It didn't feel like this is, you know, a moment that for us to really prove ourselves. It just felt like, hey, Ukraine is a this is a terrible situation. We stand with them. Um, and there was definitely that Biden's language on on Russia has been so interesting because he seems to be trying to say that everything he's been doing has been working. You know, he keeps trying to take credit for stopping and slowing down Russia, um, how the sanctions have done so much. And he's like, we you know, we've stopped and Ukraine has risen up. And it, it feels often it felt often a speech that he was trying to say as if like the tide of battle has turned in favor of of, the, of us. Uh, and I think that's just like hard. It's a hard sell when you're watching on TV, Russia, just kind of the caravan, this huge caravan moving right. into Ukraine. When you're seeing like nuclear sites fall under Russian control, when you're seeing like, uh, you know, Ukrainians huddled in subway tunnels so to kind of just prematurely declare victory, maybe not literally, but in your tone, um, speak as if the tide of the battle has turned. It's, um, it is, I think it didn't really come across well, especially given what we're seeing on TV and also given that there's a really good chance that Ukraine is still going to just fall within the coming weeks, um, totally into Russian control. So uh, that, you know, when we look at Ukraine, that is <clears throat> kind of how his messaging was. There's other things he hit on. He hit on the border. He hit on um, defunding police. You know, he hit on a lot, spent a lot of time on the economy and on inflation. Um, <clears throat> and we can dig more into those, but on the Ukraine issue in particular, uh, a lot, the, the general sense that I saw here in the Beltway is that it was it didn't really rise to meet what many were hoping. For. Yeah. Well, our thoughts and prayers certainly go out to the uh, people of Ukraine. We wish them the best. Um, who knows what's going to happen? It's not we're now more than a week uh, into the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It, it, periods it looks like it's slowed. Sometimes you you know it looks like Russia's making progress. So who knows what's going to come over the next weeks? But uh, um, certainly we uh, our thoughts and prayers are out for the Ukrainian people. Um, um, but I think as we talked about last week uh, on uh, America in Focus, you know, the, the vast majority of American people do not want uh, the United States to get involved militarily um, uh, uh, over there do what we can from sanctions and whatnot, um, but we should not send our own um, American uh, men, young men and women over there um, uh, to, to fight. <clears throat> so let's talk about the, econ uh, the economy and inflation in particular um, uh, from Biden's State of the Uni Union address. What did, he have to, what did the, the president have to say about inflation and what was the reaction to that? Sure. I mean, inflation has been one of the defining issues of the Biden presidency so far. And I think it's one of the last things that Biden wanted to be defined by, let alone even talking about in his first year in office when he's trying to really, you know, Biden has governed as a old school tax and spend liberal uh, who just wants to pass the big government programs, not do any of the as much of the super radical things that we see from some lawmakers in Congress, but pass a big federal uh, government program. Um but the, when you when that's your agenda, the last thing you want 
is high inflation because it really pulls the rug out from under you. But that's exactly what he has. And so, you know, the consumer price index, which is a key marker of inflation, is shown that, you know, the, the fastest rising inflation um, in 40 years. Uh, there's other um, indicators of, you know, producer prices being at historic high, like the highest rec- numbers on record. Um, energy per costs have risen by about 30%. Food prices are, ex- you know, extremely high. Uh, you know, the average price of gas has risen a full dollar in the last 12 months. And so obviously that's not a trend that anyone wants to continue. Um, you, you mentioned it just briefly on this, this gas thing, something that shocked me. Um, uh, driving home from the uh, airport this week, we needed to fill up. And for the first time in a long time, uh, gas, uh, when we filled up, was four more than four dollars a gallon for in fact it was four dollars and 15 cents a gallon so it is it's gone up in just the past week yeah and and that's americans you know our listeners are feeling that all around the country um and of course republicans are really harping on this i mean one of the big memes right now is these are these stickers with joe biden you know it's like a, a peel away sticker that you can put somewhere and it's joe biden pointing to something and you put it next to on the gas pump to the your total price right and it says i did that all right and people are going around putting them on gas pumps so that when your your gas total rings up you see these new found high prices which you refer to and then you see this picture of biden so this is you know uh i think you're talking about having a moment where he's got to address something um for his party and for the country inflation was top of the list and biden definitely took a swing at it he spent a lot of time on inflation um you know, some of his quotes, he said, one way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I have a better way to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. And so this is kind of part of one of the big White House arguments, which is that, uh, yes, you know, inflation's rising, but wages are rising, too. Um, so it's OK. Uh, and it's true that wages are rising, but inflation is rising, you know, uh, more significantly. And so it's really outpacing these large yeah, and, wage and, and didn't he, he 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 sort of blamed the supply chain issues for yes. rising inflation and, and and didn't accept the fact that uh, soaring federal spending had anything to do with it. Right. And that's that's been another uh, criticism against the Biden administration. You know, of course, uh, there have been supply chain disruptions. There is a certain de- degree to which uh, the inflation is because of supply chain issues. But the increase in goods and services, it, it's ac- it's across all goods and services, everything is getting more, just about everything is getting more expensive. There are a couple of exceptions. Um, and there are a few items that are getting more ex- expensive than others. So like energy is is getting much more expensive, um, but that isn't to say that other things are, there other things are still getting mu- uh, more expensive, maybe not to the same degree as energy. So um, it's not as if, you know, gas prices are an anomaly. This is economy wide. Anyone who goes to the grocery store, can tell you this you know you're not fooling americans anyone who goes to the grocery store and starts uh shopping is seeing the difference um in their grocery bill every month and so you know i talked to several economists this week about um biden's biden's speech and uh in particular his push to buy american so if you operate under kind of the the white house idea or messaging that inflation is mostly just a supply chain issue uh, Biden says, okay, well, let's just buy American. Let's make things here. That'll lower costs. It'll prevent the si- supply chain disruptions and that'll fight inflation. You know, buy American is very popular. Trump got a lot of popularity on it. Um, but all the experts I talked to said it didn't really pass the smell test. Um, 
one, you know, <laughs> there's a reason that people make things overseas. And the main reason is it's cheaper to make things overseas. You know, you can have some patriotism and want to create American jobs and that's all well and good. But if you make something in America, it's almost always going to be more expensive um, because we pay people much more. You know, we have much higher wages. Uh, we have more insurance and all kinds of things that you have to have. Uh, real estate's much more expensive if you're going to build any kind of factory. So, you know, the consensus from the experts I talked to is one, uh, buying, build, you know, making anything in America is not the way to lower prices. It might be good for the economy or, or some things, but it's going to make things more expensive um, because, you know, the traditional, like making things in China is just so much, uh, or so other countries that, you know, produce a lot of goods um, is so much cheaper. So, he really did push the buy American messaging. He did not, as you said, address the federal debt spending, which is just skyrocketed um, and, you know, since he took office and was already very high before he took office. Right. Well, let's move on to another somewhat contentious issue, particularly uh, within the Democratic um, Party, and that has to do with law enforcement and either funding or defunding the police. Of course, crime, particularly violent crime, has been on the rise in, in major cities and elsewhere across uh, America. What was, was, what was the president's message on police? Yeah, this is a really interesting issue. Um, you know, of, of course, there were, you know, riot, uh, Black Lives Matter riots throughout 2020 preceding the pre um, President Biden's entrance into the White House. He came into a pretty uh, tense situation. A lot of Democrat, Democratic lawmakers and activists have been calling to defund the police pretty explicitly. Um, you have seen Democrats move away from that messaging, I think in part because it polls so poorly. Um, you know, there's a few reasons for that. One, Americans just, you look at the polling, they do not support defunding the police. Um, even black, you know, black Americans do not support defunding the police, interestingly, um, despite what, you know, some activists would say. And so, and part of that I understand is because defund police is not exactly the goal of all the activists. It's more like reallocate some funding, um, but that's really hard to message that. So, uh, however, Biden has been consistently uh, against those activists in his party, really even last year. But in the State of the Union, he made clear and very much emphasized the need to fund police. I think I believe he said it three times. You know, he said, we should all agree. The answer is not to defund the police. The answer is to fund the police with the resources and training they need to protect our communities. He, and he said, fund the police, fund the police multiple times. And he got a standing ovation from most lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Um, but it wasn't long before some of his own party were pretty upset about it. Um, you know, kind of notorious at this point is, uh, Representative Cori Bush out of Missouri, and I'll just read her, her response. She said, with all due respect, Mr. President, you didn't mention saving black lives once in this speech. All our country has done is given more funding to police. The result, 2021 set a record for fatal police shootings. Defund the police, invest in our communities. All right. <clears throat> so there, there's probably a few things happening here. Uh, one, you know, I've referenced earlier that Biden is an old school um, Democrat, and I think that supporting the police is very much in line with that. Um, and he's not really on board with some of the more aggressive, progressive uh, political stances. So he's going to say fund the police, but it's causing rifts with his own party. Um, we'll see how this plays out. But you have seen a lot of the Democrats who were very vocal um, on defunding the police in 2020 get pretty quiet about it. Maybe they haven't changed their stance, but they don't want to be talking about it anymore because um, they've seen the writing on the wall. and it, It's not going to help anyone in November. Yeah. And particularly, you mentioned the polling on, on the defund the police movement. Not good. Americans do not 
overwhelmingly do not support it, um, particularly when you see what's going on in major cities. I'm just a you know a, a few miles away from from the city of Chicago and what's been going on there. It's been a trend in Chicago for years, but you see that going on in other major cities. It's just not a popular point of view. Um, so these the the, the 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 Democrats, the progressives who keep calling for it, you know, maybe it pulls well back home, but it certainly does not. Um, uh, have the national support. Um, uh, just people just don't don't buy it. They want to be safe. They want to feel safe in their homes and their neighborhoods. They want to feel safe when they go out um, to dinner or when they go out uh, um, shopping or what whatever. So uh, uh, a, a little bit of a uh, um, uh, contention within the uh, president's own party. Uh, so we'll see how that plays out. Now, ahead of uh, the State of the Union address this week, uh, Casey, there was some new polling data about uh, uh, President Biden's uh, job approval. What uh, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is really interesting. The The day of the State of the Union, Gallup released uh, new new polling. There's nearly the lowest uh, rates that Americans have for Biden since he took office. So um, Gallup found that just 21% of Americans say they are satisfied with the way things are going. Just 21% in an election year. Um, 78% are dissatisfied. Um, I mean, those are high numbers. And of course, you can't just attribute everything to the president. But politically, it kind of doesn't matter. Because when when the numbers are this high for dissatisfaction, whoever is in charge, whoever happens to be in charge at that time is going to, take a walloping in November. We keep referencing November. I think we will more this year because it's an election year and all these stories are kind of wrapped into an election year because that's how um, lawmakers are thinking, how they're reacting. But, uh, you know, regardless of which party was in control, 78% dissatisfaction, um, you know, that is going to just going to really hit them in November. And especially with uh, the the fight in Ukraine, we saw uh, if you look at the charts for Biden's approval rating, um, it was been a steady decline since he took office, but the actually the uh, the Afghanistan issue was a big, a really a, a big moment for a lot of voters and has really hurt. I, I still don't think Biden has recovered from Afghanistan, um, the withdrawal um, from Afghanistan that you know left 13 U.S. service members killed and a lot of Americans stranded, and you know it was pretty chaotic. We left a lot of equipment behind, and a lot of lawmakers and the media and people in the media were really critical of that withdrawal, and so um, that hurt Biden a lot and. As soon as maybe people could begin to forget something like that, this whole Ukraine situation has uh, really right. exploded. And so it's like a, it's back to back foreign policy problems that are on a very large scale where it seems that maybe the U.S. Had made, made some mistakes. And so um, those things on top of inflation, I would say, are the, the you know three of the top things that are really driving uh, Biden's approval. And it's not, they did do some specific Things they found that 61 disapproved of Biden's work on crime. So that's referencing the violent crime spree. 62% disapproved on the economy. So that's the inflation referred to. 63% disapproved on immigration. Um, illegal immigration has absolutely soared since Biden took office. And Trump was you know, famously hawkish on immigration. Um, and Biden has been much softer. He made it um, very, very difficult for ICE to deport anyone. You pretty much, I mean, this is kind of a broad stroke, but you pretty much have to... Com- commit a pretty serious crime to get deported. You can't just get, you're not really going to get deported just for being here illegally um, under the Biden's rules for ICE. And then 70% disapproved according to the poll on inflation. So um, that's, you know, that shows that a lot of um, voters do blame Biden for inflation, which is going to be a big problem, a big problem for him. Right. 
Yeah, and, and as you mentioned during this um, very important midterm um, election year, a lot working against the president and the president's uh, party. Um, Democrats have a very slim majority in the U.S. House. Uh, all U.S. House seats are up for grabs in November. Um, uh, it's a 50-50 split. Um, um, if you take the the independents who, who, who caucus with the Democrats in the U.S. Senate, um, uh, so about a third of U.S. Senate seats are up um, uh, in November. Um, so control of Congress is as, at stake, and it's not really at you know at this point. Long way to go to November. It's only only early March, um, but a lot is working against uh, the Democratic Party um, and their uh, control of Congress. So we'll see what happens. But Casey, that is all the time we have this week. Um, and a reminder to those of you listening, you can find all of the Center Squares podcasts at americastalking.com. Take a look. Please subscribe. No cost at all for you. Um, for Casey Harper, I'm Dan McCaleb. We'll talk to you next week.